I can see you, Kirk. Chang. Can you see me? I'm bloodsucker. Dirty work now. Do you hear me? Kill you! Said, of course. Captain John Luke Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Trek Brothers podcast. I feel like I'm all out of all out of practice during this, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm Sean. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. If I, if I screw up tonight, it's, I have legitimate reason. It's this. Is, this feels like my first show. <laughs> so we've we've been on an, an unofficial hiatus for about a month, I believe, right? Yeah, it's been about a month. Uh, So I guess I should tell everybody out there. Um, So I ended up getting a wonderful job. I am now a history teacher. Yay! Yay. It's crazy. (laughs) I don't know what to think. I'm scared. I'm so scared of not doing a good job. Because I want (laughs) to do such a good job. I want to be the best. The best of the best of the best, sir. (laughs) <laughs> That's from um, a Will Smith movie called Men in Black. Ugh, Men in Black. So, what have you been up these two two weeks? Uh, not not a whole lot. Mostly the same, same old, same old. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whatever that whatever that means. Um, nothing too much. I'm I'm recording in my new. My new room, a room where we hopefully won't hear sirens going by and dogs barking nearly as often as we have in the past. Oh, yeah. So in this past couple of weeks or so, you moved too, huh? I did, and I actually cleaned out the, the room so I can actually use it tonight for recording. So we'll see how it goes. Oh. Well, Being here, I don't know if that's going to come through in the Yeah, but I guess. Do I sound okay to you? You sound alright. You sound great, actually. You sound wonderful. Maybe the echo is helping. The echo is helping. I sound like I haven't slept in three weeks, which is completely true. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm like on autopilot. Um, I feel worse than like Sulu just does, just normally. Um, I don't know how, <laughs> what that means. How that makes sense, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> so let's get this puppy kick started because we're not the only ones that had big news that happened in this um, couple of weeks. Something else happened too. Let's get to the breaking news, shall we? All hands, brace for impact. So there was a movie that came out in the last two weeks. It's called Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's a little joke there. That was a joke. I'm just joking. Uh, Star Trek Beyond premiered 
And I have to say, it's one of the best Star Trek movies ever made, in my opinion. So, kicking off Star Trek, there's going to be a lot beyond talk. Just real general, Sean, did you like it too? Um, I did. It, uh, it was surprisingly good. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a lot more to say about it as the show goes on, I suppose, so I don't want to say too much. But yeah, uh, shockingly, shockingly good. It's, it's the best out of the, the modern three. Yes, very In my good. opinion. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, yeah, just very surprising, uh, to be honest with you, and refreshing. Um, but I guess at the same time, I owe a really huge apology, um, you know, to the, the makers of this film, because Abrams, <laughs> I mean that, Justin Lin did a fantastic job, I have to say, and everything I said about the film was wrong, and I just feel like poop. Um, <laughs> however, because this is news trek, we have not that much news, I guess. I didn't dig up that much news. Um, no, there's not a lot going on at the moment. We've, we missed a lot, and, and now there's not a whole lot going on right now. Yeah, that's a... Man, I swear it's um, however, oddly enough, where Star Trek 2009 and Into Darkness succeeded, it appears that the one that fans actually like, Star Trek Beyond, is not doing so well. Um, and now that Suicide Squad has premiered, it ha- there's no hope for Star Trek 3, really. Um... <laughs> Couple that I think with the death of, uh, with Anton Yelchin, and I don't think there's going to be a Star Trek four. I think this will probably be it. Um, I think it's a good capstone, to be honest with you, like a good ending to the whole J.J. Abrams verse. Um, side note, Star Trek, but um, definitely sad that it's not doing as as good as the other ones. I suppose, especially since this was a good. Star Trek. That is bizarre that it's not doing as well. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a contract. So am I wrong? Like, I, I didn't look this up, and I should have looked this up. I, I thought that they had already announced they were going to do a fourth movie, um, even before Beyond came out. Or, or was that just some people were signed on to a contract if they decided to make a fourth movie? Oh, you know, I don't know. Um because I know, I know for sure Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto signed another contract saying that if there were to be a fourth movie, they would be in the fourth movie. And then I thought even further down the line, I heard that there was actually a fourth movie. Um, but I never really confirmed that. I don't, I don't even remember where I heard it from. <laughs> wow, that's very interesting. Forget everything I just said. There's going to be a fourth movie. I wouldn't doubt it. Um... But if it doesn't do well, there might not be. That's true. Um, that's very true. I don't know, though. Um, I can't imagine there being a fourth one with... if. The, well, I don't know what it is comparatively to the other Star Treks uh, to see how much money it's made. Um, 
I suppose it's made money, no doubt, but if it's not made as much, I don't think they'd certainly make a sequel. Right. I'd think, but maybe they would do it anyway. I mean, who am I kidding? Like, they've made sequels to so many movies lately that are just ugly movies just for the sheer fact that they made money. <laughs> you know? Like, That's true. If a movie makes back its budget and a little bit plus, then, you know, win for them kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's all it takes. Yeah. So, I like how we designed this, because that's a good, like, intro to Star Trek Beyond without, like, getting into Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> um, that was planned well. Um, easing into our conversation today. Um, moving on, fans who named the top ten worst episodes on CNET. Um, episodes ever of Star Trek. And... Oddly, well, I guess not oddly enough, um, because I don't necessarily agree with fan lists very often. I'm, We've talked about this. Yes, I am like 100% behind this. The only one that I've never seen is Precious Cargo. What is that one about on Enterprise? I have no idea which one that one is. I have to see that one, because that's apparently the number one worst episode. You know, I number one on this list is These Are the Voyages, and I like that episode. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like the way Enterprise ends. I'm okay with it taking place within an episode of Next Generation. Like, that's always been okay to me. Uh, oh, I, oh, I see how you're reading it. Because it's 10, <laughs> 10 to 1, so like I was reading like Precious Cargo number 1. Sorry, oh, yeah. keep going, keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, either either way, just, I, I mean, these are the voyages would not make my top 10 list, you, no, no matter how you you turn it. Um, I don't know, it just, it's, you know, and, and like my taste would go unfairly towards, it's funny that Voyager only has one episode on this list. Voyager only has one appearance. Yeah, I mean, but look at the like the last few months where we've covered episodes. Like the best episodes have been through Voyager, um, present day included. Um, yeah, Voyager is the most underrated series, and days like today are going to prove it. Um, the <laughs> fact that Voyager doesn't show up so much. Why Voyager gets such a bad rap? I have no idea. Um, I think it's because that it has such extremes. Like, the bad episodes are so bad, even comparative to something that's like a Sub Rosa. I think something like a, um, the Lizard episode is just, like, so much worse that um, that sticks out in the mind, and somehow that just, like, defines Voyager. So I just think that the bad episodes are just, like, so bad that people have this bad impression of it. But it's not that bad. Not by any means. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with you, but it, it just, it, I feel like Voyager has such a stigma about it that I, I thought more than one episode would be on this. But, I mean, when you look at what else is on this list, um, it, it's pretty bad. Although, I don't, like I said, I don't know what Precious Cargo is. And honestly, the original series ones... I remember what Turnabout Intruder is, because that's the last one, right? That's the episode 79. 
Um, yeah. Huh. Sorry. Go on. Go on. No, that's fine. I was just I was kind of wondering about the the original series ones. That's all right. Like I I don't re- I'm, don't remember those episodes, but because I don't remember them, probably means that they're not great. Because <laughs> I I tend to tune out bad episodes. Yeah, I mean, Spock's brain goes without saying, of course. Yeah. Um, I just think that's how they do it uh, in the land of San Domingo. <laughs> yes, you know. I don't know what that was supposed to mean. Um, <laughs> who knows? So, yeah, top ten here. Uh... One of my favorite top ten worst episodes ever is, of course, listed. You know, Sub Rosa. That's a bad one. Sub Rosa <laughs> is pretty bad. Shades of Grey is pretty bad. Um, I think me and you decided that Code of Honor may be the worst episode ever. Yes. That's on there. So is this at... Uh, this is... um, You know, I'm kind of sad I didn't make it. And this is a segue into your next thing because you listed this the this is viewed and decided like fans at the 50th anniversary Star Trek convention just fans in general at the Star Trek convention are like quick to really pass judgment on stuff like I remember when we voted the year that I went like just how bad J.J. Abrams is like you would have sworn like we proclaimed to be the devil but um (laughs) Yeah, so talk a little bit about STLV50, Sean. Uh, I just wanted to say, so we're recording this on Sunday night, so STLV50 is is wrapping up, and it, it's I, I, it's not the 50th Las Vegas. The, the 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 name is a little bit of a misnomer. It's just 50 since it's obviously the 50th anniversary of the franchise. Um, I don't have a lot to say. You know, I mean, it seems like a Star Trek convention on steroids to me because it seems like there's an overwhelmingly um, larger celebration of of everything just because everyone's aware that it's been 50 years. The new movie just came out. The, the new show is coming out. It seems like a lot of people are there. Oddly enough, Will Wheaton, not there. Not there at all. Um which I think it's weird since he is so into nerd culture that he's not a part of, you know, part of the nerd culture that he was a part of the franchise of. (laughs) Uh, Jordan Hoffman uh, hosted a costume contest last night, which seemed like one of the largest costume contests I've ever seen, uh, just from what I could tell on the internet. Jordan Hoffman, by the way, is the host of the official Star Trek podcast. Um, Boo. Which I don't know if you've ever listened to that um, or not. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Was... Every... We're not friendly towards other podcasts. No, down with other podcasts. So, um, <laughs> every year they tried to do a bigger costume uh, one than they did the year before, if I'm correct. Because I remember the year that I went, we were trying to outdo, and we did outdo. Um, the number of people that cosplayed in Germany. And, oh. And I think every year they try to outdo the one before. Did you dress up? I did, yeah. I was in the uh, engineering... Uh, I have the engineering suit. I couldn't get uh-huh. tactical. I was a little sad about not being tactical. But, uh, yeah, I have an engineering uh, TNG outfit. 
Okay. That's my, that's my cosplay. I should post <laughs> pictures up on our website that has been updated for 10 months. Um, <laughs> but it's just the uniform. Like, I, I mean, you've never done, like, makeup or anything, right? Oh, no. I can't get that fancy because some of the people that go to this convention, because at this convention they actually have an actual um, costume contest. And the people yeah. that go are just insane, like insanely good. And yeah. it's kind of like a nerd orga- a nerdgasm <laughs> mm-hmm. because I remember the year that I went, the guy that I thought should just, that I should total that should have totally won. Um, and I got, I took pictures of him, but it was Worf. A guy was dressed up as Worf, dressed up as a cowboy from that <laughs> from that western episode <laughs> and like to be that specific <laughs> that yeah. that level of nerdum and to be able to like look at it and be like I know what episode that's from that's from a fistful of datas it's like it's really amazing and that was that was my favorite but like some of the costume like borg are always crazy good and um I remember thinking too the fish head creatures that they have from TNG were really good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've never. I, I mean, I haven't been to a proper Star Trek convention in a while, but I, I've I've never done more than just like wear like the u- uniform, like the shirt, basically. I've never done a full costume. Mm-hmm. Did you get the Did you get the Starfleet uniform that came with uh, the mail in when? 2009 came out? No, no. The only one I had, which I don't have anymore, was a, a next generation gold uniform. Yeah, I like those. I like that. Yeah. TNG uniform. I think it's a good. I think it's a good fit. I am kind of more of a tactical person than anything else, but. Yeah. Definitely that. It's fun. Have to go sometime again. Yes. So what else have you heard from STLV50? I wonder if my fleet leader ever went. I never heard anything about him being there. He's supposed to be there right now. Um, today they had a, a writer's um, panel that had Brian Braga, Ron Moore, and um, uh, the other guy from Next Gen. What's his name? Nenrez Sharik, the Indian guy. Do, do you know who I'm talking about, Chris? I can't think of his name. I have um, no idea who that is. Who is that? <laughs> he, he was another writer. He, he was a writer for, for Next Generation. I have no idea who that later is. On. Is that All later right. well, on? Or is yeah, it like yeah. first season? No, it was later on. Uh, um, what episode but it was, was right? I don't know. I don't even know. Uh, I didn't really know him other than I saw that he was there today with them on the writer's panel. Uh, but they did that. Uh, one of the things that Ronald Moore did say about um, uh, Generations, the movie Generations, on the writers' panel was that uh, one of the notes that uh, William Shatner had given him after Shatner read the script was, well, Captain Kirk's not an integral part of the script. <laughs> Shatner always trying to get Kirk to be front and center. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> and Brian Braga said that that um, generations was was really hard to write, but I think we've heard that before. Oh yeah, totally. 
Wow. Yeah, for a second yeah. there, I thought you were going to say writer's strike. I'm a little scared <laughs> for the 2017. It's like, oh no, it's already, Discovery's already going down. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't heard too much. You know, obviously, like, the, there's the, the panels, the, uh, the the like bigger panels of uh you know like all the stars and stuff like that just talking and then um last i think it was last night it was either last night or, or today jay chataway actually conducted um an orchestra that did move uh music from all five shows and all the movies oh that's cool like with a live orchestra yeah with a live or- orchestra he conducted a live orchestra that uh uh, to, to a bunch of different Star Trek music. Um, I think, you know, he did... Chitch Hathaway was the one that wrote the Inner Light Suite, and I think the Inner Light was featured in that as a part of that. And then, you know, obviously stuff from the original series and the movies, so... But he was the one that got to conduct it. So, so did somebody came out with the... Uh, with the flute? Did somebody play the flute? I would imagine they would have to, right? I mean, you can't do that without the flute. That's the main melodic theme. <laughs> That's true. Like you just—it's not even someone... theme. It's the main melody. Is the flute? Yeah. Like somebody's just playing that flute, and then some other guy just comes out with like the rug piano, <laughs> like unfolds the rug piano and starts playing that. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, what? What happened there? <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's... Man, I should go again. I should go for the first time. <laughs> did you go to Comic-Con this year? Uh, no, I did not. I see. I didn't even hang around out com- outside Comic-Con like I do most years. I just forgo- forgone all that nonsense. I was tired. I was too busy. Was there weird stuff at Comic-Con? You know, it's so broad that, yeah, you get a lot of weird stuff because you get a lot of stuff that, you know, I mean, so just take like your wharf in cowboy costume idea, but then just throw that amongst, you know, a billion other TV shows or comic books um, or animes or whatever, and, and then you can get just as obscure kind of crap, but have no idea what it is. It's like... You know, oh, yeah, it's it's crazy what you'll see there. And you're like, I mean, you like, there's plenty of stuff that you can recognize, and then there's stuff that even I'm just like, I have no idea what that is. Like, I don't know what I just saw. Like, that was a cool costume, but I don't know what that was from. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, um, two two years ago, I think the the year that I went and had a full weekend pass, the best costume I saw was the girl from Wreck It Ralph. The, the car dri- cart driver girl. I don't know huh. if you ever saw that movie. Yeah, and she like she had the it, it's Sarah Silverman's character, but and it's it's the one of the main characters in Wreck It Ralph. But she had the the full cart with donuts. Looked a lot like the 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 cartoon girl. It was it was really good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Huh. Very nice. <laughs> Um, wow. So I guess it's STLV 50. Yeah, anything, some of it. Anything else no. that's going on? No, I, I don't, I'm not aware of anything else. I mean, this should be a big one, right? The 50th? 
Yeah, and I'm sure we'll be hearing more of what's going on. I mean, but it's it's literally happening as we're talking. So I, I mean, as as time goes on, I'm sure we'll see more, or you know, be looking up more clips and hearing more news and stuff about some of the stuff people said and talked about this weekend. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of pretty girls down there in Vegas. <laughs> just all skimpy because the weather, you know, could get hot. Yeah. You don't want to dress in layers, you know? No, I don't know how people could wear costumes right now. Yeah. What if, had, desert. what if you had a cosplay, like, in Antarctica? <laughs> like, that would, that'd be crazy, because you'd just go as, like, a character from The Thing or something like that. <laughs> a wampa. <laughs> a wampa? <laughs> you'd be that, like, that Tauntaun guy, um... That Tauntaun, um, oh, from that, uh, that, what is that, uh, Robot Chicken? Oh, God, I had to pull that out. (laughs) Robot Chicken, where the guy's the Tauntaun and he saves George Lucas. Oh, yeah. And he's like, right on me! But he's at, like, a Comic-Con kind of thing. Right, yeah. (laughs) Like, that would just come to life. (laughs) Man. I'm going to try to make a Tauntaun costume. <laughs> nice. <laughs> if you could be any character from The Thing, who would you be? Ugh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Kurt Russell's character, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he had a pretty good character. He had a pretty good character. I liked, um, I always liked the doc, the dude that's like held, that's... they have to keep uh, track of. Yeah. He was pretty cool. What were you going to say? Oh, I I was thinking he's the one character that I could remember that's not Kurt Russell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, there's like the dog handler guy, the communications guy. Um, I can't remember the name of the African-American guy, but he was pretty cool too because he survives at the end and it's like a situation where you don't know if he or Kurt Russell is uh, is the thing. Right. It's all ambiguous. I like that a lot. Spoilers for The Thing. Yeah, if you didn't see The Thing, like, back in 1980-something. 19, I don't know when that came out, like, 89 or something, maybe. Somewhere. That seems a little late, but uh, maybe it was later 80s. I don't know. Something like that, but yeah, sorry if I ever spoiled that. Yeah, I should be clear, too. Like, Well, that was one of my hang-ups about the criticisms about the new one. Was I uh-huh. always very? I always liked the idea that it follows the um, the other expedition team that's there from like the Netherlands or something like that. Right. And I always thought that was a pretty unique perspective, but um, I really hated the idea that it was branded a branded a reboot. Yeah, it's not a reboot as much as it was kind of a sequel. Yeah. I remember actually when I talked about the thing, the, the new one to you, I was like, ah, I didn't like it. And you're just like, it's a sequel. <laughs> like, I remember you yelled at me about it. I was like, I, I apologize. I was, like, I was like, you don't need to reboot that. And you're just like, it's a sequel. And I was like, I understand it's a sequel, but it, it, I don't know. So I get passion. I get passionate about things um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that that are definitely obviously a prequel and or a sequel. I don't know how it could be and or, but you know. Who knows? Um, but it's just branded simply a uh, 
A remake. I, I have yeah. real problems with that. It's a little weird, yeah. I like to... I like to think of things as being a little more complex than just a reboot. Right. Remake. Redone. <laughs> Sounds like my wife. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not married. <laughs> uh, you can get that out, too. Um, <laughs> okay, before we move... I swear I'm done drinking. It's crazy. This is just like Chris on. I didn't go to sleep last night after I got off the phone with you until 3.30. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. Bad idea. <laughs> Why I did that? I don't know. But I stayed up watching like, the craziest videos. Like, I, I binge... I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you what I did last night. I binge-watched Jimmy Fallon. And to <laughs> say that, to say that as a human being, like... I'm just disgusted, like, with my life right now. Like, I'm going to cut that out because I don't want anybody to hear that. <laughs> like, it's just like, <laughs> what'd you do with your life last night, Chris? Like, binge watch Jimmy Fallon. It's like, what the heck? Like, that's not a thing to do. Who does that? So, Ugh. I'm caught up. And he does this really funny segment um, that I found with, found really funny. And ironically, the only one that did it very well is Ariana Grande, but... Um, the, he does this segment of impressions um, where like a singer has to impre- impersonate other singers or an actor has to impersonate other actors and the person that I thought was just like fabulous was Ariana Grande like she could imitate anybody singing but it was like Celine Dion just stunk um, Adam <laughs> Levine like stunk like they, they just stunk the other guys they didn't do very good impressions um you know, and and Jimmy Fallon held his own, of course. But uh, anyway, that's more than needs to be said about <laughs> the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, before we move on, uh, if you really like, I don't know, what do you really like? What do people like? <laughs> if you disagree with the top ten worst episodes, you should tell us. There we go. That's a good segue. Um, <laughs> how could they tell us, Sean? Uh, well, the easiest ways to tell us is through email, which our email is thetrekbrothers at gmail.com. You can always find us on Twitter. Um, our Twitter handle is at the Trek Brothers. Chris's Twitter handle is at lethargicnerd. Is all one word. I am at Sean Makita. Uh, my first name is spelled S H A U N. Um, those are the easiest ways to get a hold of us. There's other stuff too, but um, quickest response, uh, easiest to be seen. Those channels right there: Twitter and uh, Gmail. Yeah, I like that. Email. Come on and Zoom. Come on and Zoom. Remember at the end of Zoom, uh, the TV show Zoom, how they always did like the uh, the little thing where it's like email us, but they called it like Zmail because it's Zoom. The show is called Zoom, so they're like Zmail us, and you're just like Zmail's not a thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm bringing that up. Um, all right, let's get on to Vertitrack because we're gonna get in- into the meat and potatoes of this, and well. The meat and t- potatoes, before we get into the meat and potatoes, I guess you could say. <laughs> Let's get into Vert Trek. Consider your verdict. What's your verdict, Sean? Alright, so after seeing Beyond, and liking Star Trek Beyond, 
I am more frustrated with J.J. Abrams than ever before. Why was it so hard for him to make a movie like that? He had the casting. He had the talent to... I mean, nobody different wrote this movie. Everybody that worked on this new movie outside of Justin Lin worked on the new movie, minus a few people. So everybody that worked on this movie was there for 2009, more or less. So I'm just wondering, why did J.J. Abrams take it upon himself to use himself and his lackeys to, to write this movie and and into dark or uh, yeah into darkness and just stink up this toll crap make me and chris mad make us spend a year on this podcast most all the better part of a year on this podcast ranting and raving about how we don't like the new movies getting us super worried for the new movie because it basically seeing two bad movies in a row makes us think, well, like the third one's just going to also be bad, especially when you have these really crappy previews for it. And then to see it and go, oh, you could have actually made a halfway decent Star Trek movie. I mean, this Star Trek movie is still not my favorite, but I think Beyond will go down as being somewhere in the middle as far as good Star Trek movies. It's certainly not the worst, and it's... I, I mean, I don't think it's the best, but it's, it's up there. I mean, it really holds its own with the better ones. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's Wrath of Khan or, or First Contact necessarily, but it's certainly certainly better than 2009 and certainly a lot better than uh, Into Darkness. And so I'm just... I, I'm. It boggles my mind J.J. Abrams being J.J. Abrams and, and how good at some things he, he can be and, and seeing the new Star Wars and, and how good The Force Awakens actually was. I mean, he made The Force Awakens, he made a Star Wars movie better than George Lucas had made a Star Wars movie, and that's saying something. But when he tried his hat at Star Trek, for whatever reason, it just kind of fell flat. And I mean, I, I think that had he not got Star Trek and Star Trek wasn't a box office success, he wouldn't have got Star Wars. And so there's this whole weird circle, like if he didn't ruin these this part of this franchise for me, then he wouldn't have been able to raise up another franchise for me. And it's this whole terrible circle of awfulness uh, that is J.J. Abrams. And, and I'm so frustrated with him now, more so than I've ever been before just because of that just because by doing a crappy job at Star Trek and I mean that's my opinion I mean probably if you're trying to be neutral he did not do a crappy job at Star Trek he revitalized the franchise those movies made money whatever I get it but you know because they were because they were so successful he was allowed to do Star Wars but to people like me and you and we're not alone in this those movies are not good and they're still not good but this third one's a lot better and if this third one was the starting point and we grew from there imagine where we would have ended up instead of you know where we are now i don't know that's that's my rant that's my rant against abrams right now i i don't have a whole lot else to say about him at the moment oh and to take the reverse side i mean who would have expected justin lynn to come out with a, such a good movie i mean my opinion was completely biased and tainted by the fact of his body of work prior to this, and I allowed that to form my opinion and impact my opinion, 
and I'm really regretful that I allowed that to happen. I really like this movie, and the fact that it's a Justin Lin movie, my brain is just, like, fried over that. Um, I never thought that I'd like a Justin Lin movie, but I like a Justin Lin movie. I love this movie. This movie hit every point perfectly. Like, this felt, in the first time in about ten years, it felt like we finally got a Trek film. Yeah. I, I agree, and and not one that was just blatantly ripped off of another one. Because I, I the more I think about Into Darkness, the, the angrier I get at it. Because it is just, it, in my opinion, it's a waste of a movie because it is just trying to remake Wrath of Khan. Which that's fine, bring back, back the Khan character, but don't try to remake the entire movie. Yes, even Star Trek. Nemesis is very Wrath of Khan feel, and that try to emulate kind of thing. It's so refreshing to have a movie that feels like it's all by itself. Yes. Um, it's new, it's refreshing, um, bright ideas, and <laughs> like you say, if this was 2009, I think, you know, when we're looking down the road to 2016, that third movie just would have been fantastic. Yeah. Possibly would have been up there with Wrath of Khan. Because, <laughs> honestly, this does rank near the middle. This seriously ranks near the middle. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I mean, it's... It, it, there's a couple original series movies that I, I think are better, but this one, like I said, holds its own. Yeah, I mean... I think it's better than four, and I think four is a good movie. <laughs> um, I have a, my weird problem with four is the problem that people have with the motion picture. I really don't like the pacing of four. I think the pacing of four is very slow, and that's because not a lot happens, and the plot's very simple, and that's just to get whales. That's the whole plot. Um, Get whales and go in the pa- go back to the future. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Go back to the future um, with whales, and that's like the whole driving force. So I think that movie is kind of kind of tiring in that sense. But to get this movie over that, I think is amazing because I I would never have said in a million years that this new franchise would have outdone any of the original original movies for me. But this one certainly has. There is no evidence to believe that. There is zero evidence to believe that a month ago, that this movie was going to be better. <laughs> oh, you're absolutely right. Do I have... Hold on, give me a second. Do I... I don't. Um, so, a couple of months... I don't even remember when we talked about it, but um, there was a time when we talked about trailers, because I think this is a good time to bring that up, now that you said that. I yeah. And I've said to you that I think the person who cut the trailer needs to be fired. And that's still an opinion that I hold. Because the trailer did not do this movie justice. It, In fact, if it did anything, it made me not want to see the movie. And when you saw the movie, like, a great example is the motorcycle. Because when you watch the movie, the motorcycle has a purpose. has a reason. Even when Okay, spoilers from here on out. There, I said it. Um, <laughs> when 
Kirk finds the motorcycle on the broken down ship. That's the lady's house. It's like he's nostalgic about the motorcycle and saying, like, my father had one of these. And it's more of a connection to it. And then later on, he has to ride the motorcycle. Not just to ride the motorcycle, because when I saw the show, that's the first thing that came into your head is, oh, Kirk's just on a motorcycle for the sake of Kirk being on a motorcycle, because I said that two months ago. (laughs) Well, it just turns out that in the movie, he's trying to create a diversion. So in the movie, there's a purpose. There's a reason why he's on the motorcycle. You just yeah. would would not get that in a million years through the and trailer. I will say the end of that scene after the motorcycle when he saves uh, the girl. Um, that's shown in the preview, and I really wish it wasn't shown in the preview because when he does go to reach out towards her and they transport her back, both of them back to the Franklin, I, it you knew that it was coming. Like as soon as you see them kind of flying towards air each, uh, in the air towards each other, you're just, there's no suspense for me at that point in the theater. I was just like, Oh, well I know exactly what's going to happen because I saw it. Like, why are you like, why would you show that? It shows the, the resolution of a very suspenseful or what would have been a suspenseful moment. That's, you know, completely ruined by the 32nd, 62nd trailer that you've seen. 10,000 times leading up to the movie. Yes, that, um, that's a good point that you bring up. Not only that, there's, let's, let's not mince words on this. This movie is completely action-packed. Once it hits its stride, that's it. It's just an action film, but it's completely fine. But the point that I'm making is, in the trailer, and they showed the destruction of the Enterprise. Now that is a very... That's a capstone moment in this movie. It's a very poignant movie. Uh, point in this movie. Uh, moment in this movie. And to show that in the trailer, I think, just cheapens it. Because you're just expecting it. Because you've seen it a thousand times in the trailer. Another right. moment that's like that is when you see the Franklin... You don't know what it's doing in the trailer, but in the movie what it turns out to be is they're um, destroying all these like swarm ships and so you see the Franklin flying near all these swarm ships and them blowing up and it like flying past it and that's a very poignant moment even the little moments like the Enterprise flying away from the space station and that weird angle where it's um, on the secondary hull (laughs) they spoiled that Um, they also spoiled a scene I wasn't necessarily like a thousand percent behind not bad though but even the warps um, the Enterprise at warp they spoiled that so it's like everything that they showed that was a visual effect that was amazing in the film they just ruined yeah ruined it down down with that trailer (laughs) yeah and for about the past year I've been like that for every trailer about well even like today, like Suicide Squad, there were so many scenes in that trailer that were just cut. Oh, really? Yeah, there a lot of scenes not in the movie that are in the trailer. It's interesting. Oh, absolutely. Um, so my verdict, as you can't tell, because it's bouncing off of Sean's what the heck, JJ... <laughs> um, I was wrong about Beyond. 
Um, I said this a month ago that I could be wrong, that this could be one of the best Star Trek films ever, and it is. Um, it's a very good movie. There's nothing that I really have to complain about this movie. It hit its points. It hit its stride perfectly. I have to say, I was a little worried in about the first 10-15 minutes. But I think I'm going to expect every movie now like that, because seeing Suicide Squad today, like, the first 10-15 minutes, were probably the worst in film. It was really bad, and it was just them trying to introduce the characters. And, like, like how do you introduce the characters? It was so hard, because in the Suicide Squad, for instance, it's just... Okay, here's this character, now let's talk about that character, and let's talk about that character. And 2009 suffers from that, too, because it is very much like, here's Kirk, and then we have to deal with McCoy, and then we have to deal with Sulu, then we have to deal with Chekhov, and it's just kind of like a checklist going down down the list. And so, like, you're expecting the very next name... And, you know, what their introduction's going to be. So it cheapens the fact of them coming on on stage, essentially. So having that idea of the, uh, of the like, entrance is really important. But just very messed up in these movies. So a good example, of course, in Suicide Squad, you're just expecting, like, a really good entrance of the Joker. And the Joker does not have a very good entrance in this movie, um, unfortunately. To spoil something, I guess. Not really a spoiler, just an opinion from Suicide Squad. But, just as a tangent and a side note, um, Jared Leto is not very happy, it turns out, about how the movie was cut, and because so many of his scenes were not used. Um, and he's hardly in that film. It's insane to have to build hype around a movie based upon a character like that because he was like the crux of the hype and then when you go see the movie not to have the character in the movie very much it's bizarre it's just very bizarre but getting back to Star Trek of course very wrong about Beyond and that has to do a thousand percent with the trailer that we were given one of the prime examples of that is when you see Scotty talk about the music when he comes on. I thought for a second he was on the Enterprise or something like that, and he's not on the Enterprise in that scene. He's on the Franklin. I like the whole idea of that being on the ship that crashed or landed on the planet way before uh, the Enterprise crew got there. And I also like the idea that because of that, you'd have that kind of music playing. So Beastie Boys fits. Whereas we completely trashed the idea of them playing Beastie Boys, but of course, given the historical context of when that ship crash-landed, it makes sense they'd be playing Beastie Boys. So there again is an example where the trailer was very misleading. Um, and the the movie just has like one of the best Scooby-Doo mysteries in recent memories of any Star Trek film, really. Where it's who is this bad guy and what is his motivation and to have it once again centered around the bad guy having motivation because the unfortunate thing about Into Darkness is I don't think Khan was given the strongest motivation because Khan's motivation was just getting his crew back That's that was his motivation and that just kind of seemed weak um, maybe that had a lot to do with trying to copy 
go about trying to copy the other movie, The Wrath of Khan, but the first movie, likewise, I thought had kind of a weak premise, a uh, weak motivation for the villain in just trying to get back at Spock for destroying his homeworld. I thought that was kind of weak and contrived. But this one, it's really interesting because the lizard guy is a former Starfleet officer, and to see him like transformed on this planet and taking on that role of wanting to destroy humanity for essentially forsaking them, I think is fantastic. And this this movie had a really great feel from Terra Nova that we talked about a couple weeks ago. It was it really feels like Terra Nova to me, that Enterprise episode. I'm not sure if you got the same feeling. Oh well, yeah, a little bit. It, it was kind of enterprisey to me. It even makes reference to Enterprise because it talks about how uh, the the captain of the Franklin who is the main antagonist in this movie is uh, fought against the uh, Zindi and, and in the Romulan War and uh, was a part of um, that faction that faction's actually in Enterprise season 3 I think that he's supposed to come from that he was supposed to be a part of um, uh, that they um, when they were fighting the Zindi alongside Starfleet so um, it's kind of cool that I mean although they've crapped all over the continuity of, of the original series going forward that they, they kept the idea that Enterprise still happened and they've kind of left that alone more or less well thank godness for that because it's good for that I mean, I mean in the end because likewise again here's the words coming back to bite Chris in the butt Remember when we talked, um, and you asked the question specifically, you said, would you be okay with going to see an Enterprise movie? And I said yes, thinking in my head, I just would not see a movie that was akin to Enterprise. But here it is, this movie is very much akin to Enterprise, and I'm happy and delighted that it ended up being just as good as it was possible. In that sense, too, I have to say, like, moments of this were very J.J., um, J.J., were very Brandon Braga-esque, and probably my favorite part that was most Brandon Braga-esque, um, well, there was a couple, because Brandon Braga would be very into the Flash Gordon kind of, like, you have, you have ten seconds to disarm this bomb, ten, nine, eight, and at the same time you have to fight, like, a bad guy and disarm the bomb. That was, yeah. like, a very Flash Gordon ending. And so, like, I imagine Brandon Braga just watching that and be like, hooray, hooray, and clapping. Uh, <laughs> another Brandon Braga moment that was um, effervescent was the solution to the swarm ships. When Kirk wants to destroy the ships, um, trying to destroy the space station, and they do it with the music. Like, that is a very Star Trekky, sci-fi kind of solution to the problem and it was very refreshing that we got that again it's so much trek thrown at you that you feel nostalgic over this almost yeah yeah it it is a lot of kind of star trek-esque tropes throughout the movie oh absolutely so Speaking of Star Trek and good, like, this is a positive episode today. 
We're being, very, we're being, we're being very positive. <laughs> now, I haven't looked at the Enterprise episode we're going to talk about next week, so we'll see if we can get, continue this trend. But maybe, <laughs> maybe we're out of the rut, because it was about two months there that I think uh, I wasn't too sure about Trek. Um, by continuing um, this positive nature, we are going to get into Talk Trek now, and probably one of the best episodes of Star Trek ever. So let's talk about Eye of the Needle. Warp drive isn't going to do as much good with this knife stuck in our belly. His brain is gone. Warp, you're a romantic. So, Eye of the Needle is a first season Star Trek Voyager episode, and one of the things, there's so many things that make this a fantastic episode, I think, in my opinion. Um, this is the first instance I think Robert Picardo really gets to shine, um, in such a way that you're like you were wanting it for a really long time and then you were finally given it um another thing is the ending it is one of the best endings to an episode ever and I got very emotional last time I was talking about this ending to you so I'm gonna actually talk about the ending first before we talk about anything else because the ending is practically the plot, but the ending is also the most tragic ending ever. So Voyager in space finds this tiny, tiny little wormhole, and they end up being able to get a Romulan. But the thing about a Romulan is there's like a time differential in this um, wormhole, and it's because of the nature of this this um, this wormhole, and they are actually able to beam them aboard um, after dealing, you know, getting the doctor to beam. But what's really cool about the ending, and it's not cool, it's just, like, so tragic. Um, they beam the Romulan back to his time period, and they give him the information, and it's kind of this idea that you're going back, you're going back in time to alter the future, and um, say Voyager kind of thing and the guy beams off nothing changes and Tuvok just says I have bad news the guy died four years before we left and it's just insanely emotional but I just had to start with that because that was the best ending in Star Trek ever really <laughs> it's great and you know unfortunately Star Trek can't truly uh, i mean star trek at this point can truly end on a really sad sad note but i think it would have been amazing if the last scene were that scene and it just ends with captain janeway like almost biting her knuckle and saying oh we've got a long way to go and then it just you know produced by brandon braga is what you see next and then it just goes to the credits like that that would have been amazing because there's one scene after this with the doctor um, well it has to end with that and the backstory i I know i mean yeah and it's it's more heartwarming i understand star trek at this point couldn't end that bitter it wasn't that kind of show (laughs) yeah but i agree with you it's it's an insanely tragic episode and and the first time i can remember the first time watching this episode and it is so surprising because ultimately all they're going to do 
Uh, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a, a, a push and pull episode where it's like, oh, maybe we can actually get through the wormhole. Okay, well, maybe we can't. <clears throat> maybe we can get messages through the wormhole. Oh, wait, maybe we can actually transport through the wormhole. Okay, well, we can at least get this guy in the Alpha Quadrant to take us, take our messages through the wormhole. Oh, wait, he's from the past. Well, 20 years, he'll have them. It'll be fine. And then the very end is, oh, he never actually made it there. <laughs> um, like, it, it's it's a, it's... It's paced really well, and, and it, it is really a, a, a very, like, you know, we need to have, like, cautious optimism, and then that cautious optimism gets destroyed. And then there's another reason to have cautious optimism, and then that optimism gets destroyed. It, it, it happens two or three times throughout the episode, which is really cool and, and somewhat kind of unique, I think, in Star Trek. Yep, I like it. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a theme for the entire series of Voyager, I think. Um, a, a cautious optimism that they're going to get home sooner than they think, and then, no, they're not. Um, although, obviously, Voyager ends with them getting home, so. <laughs> but, yeah, this episode is great. The Doctor is great in this. It, it, it's, I mean, I'm a fan of this kind of... <clears throat> what is artificial intelligence and where do you draw the lines and and you know they're treating him specifically in this episode they're treating him like a doormat but you know the captain even responds to Cass by saying well he treats everybody else poorly too like he's just a mean hologram and we should change his programming and um you know but ultimately she thinks about it and goes oh that's that's probably not the right way to be and and um, like the subplot of this is good, and it, it it keeps it simple with just the a plot of the wormhole and how are they going to get through, and the b plot of the doctor, which is very much a b plot. It is it's it's just hardly in the episode. You know, it takes probably ten ten minutes worth of of screen time out of the entire forty five minutes of the of the show. Yeah. Um. One of the few episodes to actually have everybody do something. Um, <laughs> do something worthwhile. This is like an instance in which... Because we've complained uh, about Kess before. Yeah. Um, and this is like an episode where like it's like, yeah, Kess is serving out her purpose. Um, you know, Tuvok uh, yeah. is good. Like, everybody is good in this. Everybody has a purpose. And like, uh, it's so Wait. rare to get that from Trek sometimes. Except for Neelix, who is not in this episode. Oh, well. You know, <laughs> I have a complicated relationship with Neelix. Um, I don't think you would notice Neelix if he's there or not. Because, you know, you well, yeah, obviously, I think you. <laughs> I think you forgot that Neelix wasn't in this episode. And I will say, until you said everybody had something to do, I forgot that Neelix wasn't in this episode. <laughs> but um, I do like if they all have something to do. Minus Neelix. You're right. For, for the fact that they're all actually on screen, they all have something to do um, when they appear, uh, which is something the DS9, at least especially in this first season that we've been watching, has a real hard time doing. Because DS9 will have the entire crew appear on screen sometime throughout the episode, and not all of them have very much to do. Sometimes they have a stupid line like, I forgot what it's like to be a woman, and then that, that's that. For that character. Oh man, why is that a line? It's a line. It's a line. 
Um, I don't know. This is just a good episode. <laughs> this is a good episode. It is one of my favorite episodes, I think. Yep. I like it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, I like it. Everybody should go out and watch this. This is a highly suggested episode. It's so good. Like, I rate this, like, probably... Oh, man, this has to be in the top five of Voyager. It really does. Like, it just has everything you want in a Star Trek episode. Everything. It's a very neat package. Um, the writing is crisp. Um, it's just very good. Very, very good. I would pr- place this probably after Year of Hell. Um, it's even better than... Well, I think it of like Scorpion. That's a very held in high regard, but the script is certainly written better than Scorpion, even. But uh, just Scorpions, yeah. Well produced, um, just really good. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. I mean, it's just the the first time I've watched this episode a lot. Actually, I've probably seen this episode of Voyager now more than than any other episode of Voyager, just because. through Chris and I's little hiatus of this, I've probably watched it like an extra two times, just being like, oh, I better refresh myself. Oh, I better refresh myself again. (laughs) You Um, really took initiative on that, because I haven't seen this since like a month ago. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I I, I rewatched it about two hours ago. Uh... (laughs) Oh, see, you're fresh. You're fresh on this. Um, Yeah. What else Um, happens in this that stands out? Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of like nitty gritty that we can get into. I, I mean, there's the good character development of of Harry's really excited, and it's just like you know Harry's just like, and Garrett Wong does a good job of showing the excitement, and and uh, even Tuvok says you know he should be a little careful, and then he has the conversation with Bolana at one point of, um, you know I used to call my parents once every week. Like, they're going to be freaking out. This is great. Like, it sucks being away from home. And he's like, what about you? And she's like, my only family is the Maquis. Like, my dad's gone. My mom's dead. Or I, I don't know where my mom's at. Um, and and it's just like, my family's basically here already. So she she's not nearly as excited, although, you know, trying to help. Um, so I think there's a little insight to both those characters. It's really well done. Yes. Um. Yeah, I don't know. There, I, there, there's. I mean, there. It falls. I, I, if there, if there was one critique I have about this, and it's not even a complaint because it it serves its purpose so well as just a story device, a storytelling device that I can overlook that there appears to be a fair amount of techno anomaly babble um, just because it's like a micro wormhole that's advanced decay and gravitational eddy is one of the phrases that they use in there. That's how the probe gets stuck. Uh, At one point they say they're going to piggyback the transporter beam off of the probe. So it's all... As far-fetched as Star Trek normally is, and how far-fetched Voyager usually is, this one's a, a little bit 
it's it's on the 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 the, the heavy side of, of just techno babble I feel but but because the story surrounding it I think is so well done you don't really notice it until you watch it you know four times in a month four times in a month <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think you, I've watched it that many but it's, it's I think I've watched it probably three times this past month I like that you threw that in there jeez three times um <laughs> now I feel bad um Mm. Yeah, uh, techno babble a bit much. I mean, of course, because they want to contrast this with the. Uh, because as soon as you think wormhole, you think DS Nine. So of course they have to kind of change that a bit. But one thing I do like about that that you're right. It's very Voyager esque, but it's Voyager esque in the sense that they've come across something and they're not going to let it go. They're going to get yeah. through this. I'm just glad, as a side note, I'm just glad that we stalled on this episode, because if we stalled on something like Code of Honor or, like, uh, uh, Move Along Home, I, uh, um, you know, <laughs> I would have watched it once a month ago and then just been pissed off that we had to talk about it now. Elmerang, count to three. Okay. Um, I don't know what else I could get out of my brain that watched this a month ago. Um, <laughs> just a few Captain Janeway ago. is in a weird nightgown. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I do remember that. Um, <laughs> and she owns a gramophone. There is a gramophone in the back of her quarters, on the set of her quarters. There's a gramophone hanging out on a shelf back there, which, why Janeway would have that, I have no idea. Yeah, because I think that disappears. Um, Probably. I think after this episode, because I don't remember there being a gramophone after that. I feel like that's something that Picard might have, uh, but Janeway, no. When I saw it in the background, I was like, there's no way that, like, that is going to stick around. Well, they kind of did have, like, this thing where it was she liked music, but they, it was never, like, very strong. Because in Counterpoint, she talks about music quite a bit, and a couple others, she talks about music. I know she hangs out with Da Vinci, and, like, well, I know that doesn't have anything to do with music, but, I, I mean... Yeah... I just can't see Janeway listening to music on a gramophone. Like, I don't... Like, you just walk in and you see her winding it up. Yeah, that'd be a little weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has the gothic novelty. They always gave her, like, the weird stuff. The gothic yeah. novel I thought was weird. Like, the holodeck, oh. just in general, in Voyager, is weird. Because they have the gothic novel. They have the um, the fake, like, Flash Gordon thing. Um, mm -hmm. Proton. Um... They have the weird, like, pool hall for a while. They have, like, that place for a season. They have, like, this weird Ryza-esque kind of place in Talaxia <laughs> yeah. for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they all go, yeah. Yeah, so, like, in Voyager, the holodeck is kind of weird because I think they tried to be consistent in it where they would be. Whereas, like, mm -hmm. in TNG... You could just get, like, them being on a holodeck, like, so many random things just from episode to episode. Yeah, there wasn't really a consistent program, but, I, I mean, outside of maybe Dixon Hill that you saw uh, time and time again. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that Ryza, that, that like, Ryza-esque uh, program on Talaxia when, when Neelix is just dancing with those girls? Like dancing with the beautiful babes, and and like he looks so awkward, but there's like two very hot girls next to him. 
No, I don't, but that sounds in- insane. <laughs> you gotta look up the picture from that, because his face, um, Ethan Phillips' face, is just, it's so priceless. It's so <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> so hilarious. Um, yeah, and I like the Romulan. Is, so, this might be my favorite Romulan guy, actually. Because I, I like sympathetic Romulans, and the fact that he's a scientist and stuff like that. I I really like that. Um, Because I think they could have easily have gone the other direction just had, like, one of the Romulans just be, like, a militant Romulan. So to have this kind of Romulan, I thought was cool. Yeah, and they, you know, I mean, they, they, they explain that a little bit because they play with him. Well, first of all, he is a scientist, so he should be getting along with Voyager on that common ground, but they also play with his emotions that he's a, a family man and out it, it, in space. And, and uh, so that kind of um, helps, helps the continuity. Although, one thing is, I think at this point in time, the Romulans are completely silent towards the Federation. Yeah, that's interesting because it's 2251, uh, 51, I think. Uh, I can't remember. Something. It's supposed to be 20 years before that date of Voyager, right? Yes. So So that would place it before Next Generation. Yes, but I'm not sure when. I don't know how far back TNG happens off the top of my head from Voyager, but I want to say it's probably less than 10 years. So I'm thinking like a good 15 years before TNG. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting time period. I guess maybe... I don't know when they founded the neutral zone or, or like what precipitated like a Cold War, you know? Because like I always imagined um, Romulans in Star Trek as being in a perpetual Cold War. To me they were just like the Russians. Um... And I think yeah. maybe that's that's Roddenberry. Maybe he wanted them to be the Russians, but they just always reminded me of that. Yeah, and and they kind of were, and that was I think kind of a Roddenberry thing, and I you know just kind of a, a '60s thing. I think they grew out of that. Um, and I mean, there's explanations of the actual war, like there was a war war with the Romulans, and that's in Enterprise, and I don't know it very well. I just know that it exists within Enterprise. Um. But uh, I, I do know that that first season of Next Generation, I think it's the last episode of the first season, the neutral zone, the Romulans make their appearance. And they talk about how they haven't talked to the Romulans in, you know, like decades, basically, at that point. So it, it's strange that, that a Romulan from what should be before that time period, before that Next Generation time period, would talk to a Federation starship. Yeah. You know, thinking back to 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 Star Trek 2009, they needed to play up this Romulan bit. Um, I was really... It's a really big shame that they didn't have the ship come back and it be like a Dietrich-class ship. And that that classic Romulan-looking warbird. Instead, making that crazy mining ship that Nero has. I... I think if they would have went classic, I think that would have been amazing. Or even have, like, that... The actual Warbird Warbird. The Warbird that has um, the bird painted on it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, go that classic. That'd be... That would have been amazing, but... 
anyway. It would have been cool, yeah, to see like Nero's ship as like start with the Derridics. The Derridics. I have a hard time saying that, um, but start with that that kind of ship, and um, and maybe like elaborate on it. So you know, like make it modern, make it for the 2009 big screen, make it J.J. Abrams, but start from that initial kind of next generation design that we're all familiar with. That would have been really cool because that would have made the timeline seem a little more consistent. Yeah, I mean, what what would you have done if you would have showed up in a scimitar? Yeah, like, or that! That would have been amazing. Like, there was, like, a secret scimitar, too. Or, like, the scimitar that Shinzon had was, like, a prototype... And so yeah. like, Nero had the uh, the other ship, and he was like on his way to destroy the Federation because Shinzon failed in his mission. Um, and then on his way to destroy Earth, like he got caught up in uh, what was happening with Spock. Um, that is like a way better plot that I just thought up off the top of my head than was ever shown in two thousand nine. <laughs> like, <laughs> why that's not a thing, I don't know. I don't know. They screwed us. But Beyond <laughs> didn't screw us. See, JJ screwed us. Just Lynn knows. Lynn knows. And let's give Simon Pegg his due. Like, yeah. my God, Scotty is like one of the best characters. I will movie. say, I will say in fairness out here, and, and I, I should have been a little more optimistic. Um, uh, one of my friends, I was talking to one of my friends out here this week, and, uh, He's like, oh, so what'd you think of Beyond? And I was like, oh, it's great. It's the best of the three, blah, 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 you know. And he was just like, and he's been with me the whole way, you know, where I've just been showing my um, lack, uh, my pessimistic attitude towards it this entire time over the past year or so and just not looking forward to it and, and, and talking so much crap. And then, of course, after I was like, oh, I like it. And he just laughed. He's like, of course he liked it. He's like, Simon Pegg wrote it. He was like your favorite movies are like the Shaun of the Dead, like the Edgar Wright movies. Like, he's like, you like Simon Pegg. He's like, you like when he writes stuff. He's like, you've told me that the world's end is one of the funniest movies you've ever seen, which is not a lie. Like I've told him, like, I really like those, uh, uh, that trilogy that Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Cross have done together. And, uh, and they are literally some of my favorite movies. And, and, and so, I had I should have had nothing but confidence in Simon Pegg because I've never seen anything that he has written that I personally have not liked. And I think the least favorite of anything that he's done that I I dislike the most was his BBC show Spaced, which was him starting out. And I mean, that was him early on and it was good. It just wasn't refined yet. And that's why it's just not my favorite. It's just he became so much better later on. Um, so I, I mean, I should, I should have probably had a little bit more optimism um, when he became the writer. Yes, but again, those are comedy movies, and not that they're you know dumb comedy; they're kind of smart comedy. But there was really no evidence that he could write a Star Trek movie, I guess, off of that. So that that's where how I'm trying to justify my pessimism of the past yes yes we were both wrong about beyond <laughs> imagine that imagine that um 
So any other thoughts about this? I, I have to say, this is a fantastic episode. And if I wasn't, like, dying from, like, lack of sleep, and um, uh, if I wasn't, like, actually having a career now. It's so weird having a career, like, saying, I have a career. It's so weird. <laughs> it's, it's just so weird. And loving your career. Like, I love it. Um, I'm, like, dead tired, but it's, like, a good dead tired. I feel good. I feel great. It's just a wonderful moment in my life. It's like a wonderful turning moment. Now I'm getting emotional <laughs> about being a teacher. Like it's a, like every moment is just fulfilling. It's tiring as hell. It is ridiculously hard. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But every moment is just worth it. I know that sounds insane and didactically opposing, but it's completely true. It is a beautiful thing. Um, but because of that, <laughs> like, normally I would go on for about 10 hours about Voyager. <laughs> um, so I don't want anyone out there not to get this impression, but I have to say, it again, this is definitely in my top five favorite Voyager episodes. And for me, it's that ending. It's, it's, they threw everything the writers did. They threw everything that they could every curveball you could possibly imagine they threw at Voyager and this is just one instance in which you see that glimmer of hope and then to take it away that makes that show so unique and so wonderful to me and one reason why I really love it yeah uh, I mean that's more well said than anything I could say about this episode I think um, I Chris knows Voyager far better than I do but this this would probably rank within my top five episodes of Voyager. I mean, I just, out of the first season, I, I rewatched the entire first season last summer, and and out of that entire rewatch, like, I can, I have the needle as one of the episodes that just stuck out to me and I remembered very well. Um, and it just because it's that good of an episode, it just it, it's it's really well done. It's it's one of the few episodes of Star Trek that I can watch, or not one of the few. That's the wrong, but it's it's one of of, of a selection of Star Trek episodes that, that I can watch where I sit down, turn it on, and by the time it's over, I I don't realize that I sat there for forty five minutes watching an episode of Star Trek. There, there are a lot of episodes that are like that, and there are some that feel like that you were there for two hours. But this isn't one of them. It's 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 highly entertaining. It's paced just right. Um, it it's got most elements of Trek that you want in it as well. Yes, it is no sub Rosa. No, I should have watched this again. I should watch this today instead of doing lesson plans. <laughs> uh, do your job. Do your job well, so you keep having that. Um, <laughs> that's that's I, will true. That, I, I will say that this, as far as the Trek brothers go, this is probably the best episode that me and you have had to sit through and watch uh, of of all the series so far. Oh, it's definitely the most positive, and it gives us a glimmer of hope. Um, going in production oh. order is hard. I have to say, it's really, really hard. You don't really get an appreciation for those later episodes until you do something like this because I never I wasn't very cognizant of just how bad every single season one and every single series was 
<laughs> I never really got that until I started doing this. Then it was like, then you start to appreciate Best of Both Worlds more. You start to appreciate um, Year of Hell more. Um, you start to appreciate, um, I can't remember the weird name it is. Um, it's like the Battle of AR or something um, in DS9 where um, Nog loses his leg. That's like oh, one of my wow. favorite episodes ever in all of Star Trek. Um, so, like, it makes you appreciate those later episodes. And, like, we've had some pretty hokey episodes, too, in TOS. I would I would have to say, TOS and Voyager at this point, I think, are a little more consistent on the good episodes so far, going in, or in the order that we're going in, than I think in any other series. Because we haven't had... Like, Harry Mudd was kind of... That was kind of a low point. Um... <laughs> Like, we have had hokiness from TOS, but I think both TOS and Voyager are showing a really strong start. Um, a very, very strong start. And it only gets better. What's kind of interesting is both of those series kind of go down at the end, whereas, like, something like TNG kind of starts off not so great and then gets really good at the end. So it's kind of a weird dynamic. It is. Uh, and you're right. Um, I think consistency, and it, I think this is just because it was shorter, but I think consistency throughout the entire uh, run of a show, the original series probably will beat out the rest of them. But again, that's because it only has the three seasons. I think if it were allowed to go on for seven, it wouldn't have that consistency. Um, because as as crappy as season three can be of the original series, there's still good ones in there. Um, and there's not enough bad to tear it completely down. Um, but that being said, like everything I agree with you, Voyager and the original series start out uh, really strong. Like the, they they come out compared to the other ones. The other ones are, are all insanely sluggish. Um, you know, Next Generation, I think we've had one or two good episodes. And when I say good, they're not even that great. Um Enterprise, I think we've seen one episode maybe that we liked. DS9, we saw an episode maybe. You know, it's just like there's ones where we're like, eh, you know, it's okay, but Voyager and, and and the original series are the only two so far that we've had episodes that are, are really enjoyable and what I would consider um, just really good upper echelon Star Trek. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So what would you rate this then? You would rate this high, I bet. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let's give it a pink nightgown and a gramophone. <laughs> oh, poor Janeway. Um, <laughs> they have to give her something. Like, I think since Picard, like, every captain has to have something. Um, oh. I guess. Like, what would be Cisco's? Oh, well, he had baseball. Yeah. They gave him. What did Archer mm-hmm. have? I'm not... I know Archer had... Something. He had a dog. Yeah, he, he had a dog. He had a loose vent. He had a loose screw in his vent in his quarters. That's that's his thing. Oh yeah, because that's a consistent thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's a weird consistent thing, but because yeah, we've yeah. seen one episode where he's looking around for it that never gets explained. 
Yeah, yeah, he just has like a loose screw. Um, That's just going to be a thing that we keep going through, huh? I forgot all about that. Yeah, and but I, uh, what's funny is because when we watched whatever episode that is, like the second episode of Enterprise, he's like, "What's that noise? Do you hear that noise?" And then it, it never comes back around in the episode. And I was like, "What's going on?" And I remember I looked at it at that point. I go like, "What? What is this?" And then it's just a weird little nuance thing throughout the show. Yeah, it's really cool. It's very cool. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, the original series was a lot more episodic than anything that came after. So, like, you really don't get... I don't think there's really, like, a Kirk thing. Maybe chess. Maybe, like, 3D chess. Um, maybe. I don't know. What would you You say? In Star Trek II, it's revealed that he's a collector of antiques, but it's not until Star Trek II that that actually (laughs) um, happens. Yeah, that's that, um, that's explained. Yeah, throughout the show, you don't get a whole lot. I mean, you, uh, for the most part, the original series, when it comes down to Kirk and and Kirk being Kirk, it's all about him being a captain. And and whenever we get more of a glimpse into his life, it's usually about him trying to save people or or trying to save a ship or, or something like that. You know, it's never. It's never anything that crazy or anything that personal. Yeah. Which makes him a good. Makes him a good no. captain. I would give this one missing Teclaxian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he likes. Great episode. Great episode. It's one episode. Um so what do we have next? Continuing. Oh, this is interesting. Let's get to our track. I want to hear what you have to say about this. Good. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part too. This time we'll handle things without your help. They're doing their part. Are you? Take it away, Sean. All right. Well, mine comes from. Where I found it from was the Star Trek movie Twitter feed, uh, the Star Trek Beyond Twitter feed. But it's from um, the guy from Fallout Boy. Um, his name is uh, Pete Wentz. And it's a, a little video about Dr. McCoy in the new Star Trek franchise. And this uh, obviously was recorded before he saw Star Trek Beyond. But um, I'm going to play this clip that they recorded of him, uh, of him talking about uh, Bones and what he had to say. And, well, me and you can talk about it because I agree mostly with what he says. <laughs> I believe in Carl Urban in Star Trek. You really want to head back out there, huh? You run the risk of parody when you are going after somebody that's super specific, like McCoy. Well, at least I won't die alone. Well, that's just typical. Somehow, Carl Urban walks the tightrope, turning it into completely his own thing. Can you imagine what we'll find? Aliens hellbent on killing us. That's the spirit bones. I think it's awesome, and I look forward to seeing him in the new Star Trek. Nice. Yeah, so, I mean, I think what he says there is... All of it is correct. I mean, he, he, he starts with saying, you know when you're trying to recreate a character and emulate a character like all of these people are doing, um, you know, it, it can hit parody and you can, and, and, and they could have easily fallen into the trap of having 
all these characters playing a caricature of the original series. And I think, and, and maybe, maybe this is where I can give JJ some credit is, um, with the casting and the initial direction with the characters, I think that it was fairly spot on from the beginning. Um, I, I think that Chris Pine makes a good Kirk. I think that Zachary Quinto makes a, a good Spock. I think Carl Urban makes a great McCoy. I think out of all of the new cast, I think Carl Urban is probably my favorite uh, as McCoy, um, just because of how he does it. He seems the closest to the original character. Um, and I don't know if that's Carl Urban or if it has to do with the writing or if it's a combination of those two that, that just works, but it works really well because I think I think Kirk gets a little off at times I think Spock is always a little off throughout the show uh, throughout the new movies um, but but uh, uh, Carl Urban great job um, I, I'm, I, he I think is my favorite actor in these, these movies Nice. Oh. Um. Definitely. Yeah. I agree. You know, one thing that I haven't said about this um, yet. I have told you about this, but I haven't said this on the podcast. Um, I really like how everybody's paired off in the movie, and I really like the dynamic between um, Bones and Spock because, for once, I think out of the three movies. This felt so genuine. It felt really close and tight um, versus what it's felt like before. Um, and yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I I, I, I do too. I it, Spock and McCoy were a little bit more, I think, Spock and McCoy in this uh, in this uh, movie than than they have been in the past too. Oh, absolutely. Um, sweet. Anything else about that? I think that was a good one. No. No. Yeah, yeah. I found that little clip. I liked it. So, if we did play it. <laughs> nice. Well, I haven't had much of personal downtime for quite a while. But because of that, I, for once, have been on a hiatus from Star Trek Online for the longest time ever since before I started playing. And that's insane. I <laughs> am surprised that I did not log in and everybody is like, where the heck have you been? It was, it's was. it been two weeks since I've been on there. That is crazy. <laughs> um, in two weeks, they added, though, this um, pretty cool STF because I logged on today to see what it was like. And... Uh, for the show, so I would have something to talk about. And it's a pretty cool, like, mining, like, the Gorin are mining, and you have to help save the Gorin from Romulans, but, you know, everything is, like, classic uh, Trek, so you see, like, the Romulans in that weird, crazy, like, gold and purple um, shiny material with the gold helmets, and uh, those are really cool. But, um... I have to say, I've had a lot of withdrawal. Uh, I have not handled it well. Um, I'm not doing okay. Um, if you see me, I look like crud. Um, it's because I need my STO. <laughs> I need my STO. Like, 
I'm so addicted to Stowe. It's kind of like you know, I have the I have the chills and stuff like that. And somebody's like, "What's going on?" I'm just like, "I'm off the Stowe. I'm off the Stowe. <laughs> I quit cold turkey. Like I need it bad." And uh, it's just like <laughs> I'm gonna go out on the street and get some Stowe. Um, <laughs> like that's how bad I need Stowe. Um, at work, you know, it's so bad. It's like uh, at work. Uh, we have to ask if we want to load any computer program onto the computers. It's like, come on, Chris, do it. Just call IT. Just say, like, I need my stove. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and just explain that I can't function um, in the job 100% if I don't get my stove. Um, I'm just kidding. Oh, my stove, I miss you. Um, so, yes, my wonderful enterprise I have is hanging out. Oh, you know what I wanted to do too. Um, that was a special surprise uh, in the movie. I thought it was really cool that they get the Enterprise A at the end. And wow. in Star Trek Online, you have the ability to have letters after your ship. And I just have mine as NCC seventeen seventy six. But after seeing that, I really want to change it to um, NCC seventeen oh one A. Um, I think it's really cool. I don't think there's much of a difference between the two. It's not like... Which is kind of strange. Or maybe it's not strange. Because obviously in the motion picture, like that Enterprise is like a thousand times different from the original series Enterprise. But it's still like NCC 1701. So it's kind of weird in that sense. Because it just looks like the NCC 1701A. Yeah. it, there's not too much of a variation between those two either, is there? No, the Enterprise refit, um, the, the original Enterprise refit, and, and the Enterprise A um, are basically the same ship. Yeah. So in, in- I think I think when you get technically into it, like when you start looking at, at, at like manuals or schematics of, of of that that whoever created, whomever created. Um, then you get differences, but but to the eye and as far as size and everything like that, I don't think there's a whole. Um, there's really not any difference. <laughs> and I remember, I remember you really liked that ship. That's that was on your list of um, three favorite ships that you had one week, and that was like a week where I wasn't very much into your list because you had uh, the only one that I had a problem <laughs> with was the was Enterprise, like NX01 Enterprise, and I don't get that. But anyway, I mean, to each his own. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, that said, I think the Enterprise A is a very, very cool design uh, from, from the original movies. Um, yeah. I mean, this one, it's still J.J. Prize. I mean, what are you going to do? It is what it is. Um, yeah. It's not like they could change that. No. I mean... I don't know. It's kind of weird. Maybe next time, next week when I do my trek or something, I'll talk about... We haven't really talked about J.J. Prize. Um, It's a very complicated relationship with that ship because I think it fits very well for the universe that it's designed in. And it's very Star Trek-y. I mean, it definitely looks Star Trek. Um, But I think a lot of the problems have to do with imitation versus like emulation where it's mm, trying to be its own ship but it's obviously not its own ship and so I think a lot of like you know that kind of opposed kind of thing like a good point is like the blue on the deflector dish like 
if it was just a regular deflector dish. Like I'm looking at the picture now that we just have on roll twenty. Like if that mm-hmm. was if that was our if that was the Enterprise, I think I'd be a little more down with that. Um, yeah, and and as you if whether you knew this or not, I'm sure you did. Um, the original Enterprise, the NCC one seven zero one from the original series, it wasn't a deflector dish; it was the sensor array, and that's why it looked like a satellite. Yeah, and they never. I mean, that's totally deflector dish thing comes later with uh, TNG. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, and they need to have it like that. I don't even think they explain it like that in the movie. I think they just have it as the deflector dish. No, I don't think they explain anything in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a ship! <laughs> Pretty much. There's the ship, and you just see it, and you're just, okay. <laughs> um, well, I think that's all I had to say about STO. Um, okay. Good. This is a good segue into uh, the next part. All right. Let's get to audience track. Open hailing frequencies. Frequencies, open, sir. This is Jean-Luc Picard, captain of the Enterprise. If you want to get a hold of us and tell us how much you love... The Truck Brothers. You should get a hold of us and tell us how much you love the Truck Brothers. How can they get a hold of us and tell us how much they love the Truck Brothers? <laughs> like we said towards the beginning of the show, the easiest way to get a hold of us is through our Gmail account, um, which is the Truck Brothers at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of us through Twitter. Our Twitter handle is the Truck Brothers. Um, Chris's Twitter handle is at Lethargic Nerd. I am at Sean Makita. You can also find us on Instagram at um, the Trek Brothers, although that hasn't been updated in a while. We also have a website. It also hasn't been updated in a little while. It's called the thetrekbrothers.wix.com. Uh, Actually, it's wixsite.com now, by the way. That changed. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wix had to go through something. That's a side note. But wix.com became wixsite.com. Uh, but again, the thetrekbrothers.wixsite.com. Um However, more importantly, when when um, Chris and I are not in in uh, transition of careers, and and by us I mean Chris, <laughs> when we are not like bogged down with personal life, and 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 the show is normally on every week, you can find the newest episode on SoundCloud, which you can find a link to our SoundCloud and iTunes, which will always have the current most current episode on uh, through that Wix site. Um, However, if you want to listen to any backlogged episodes that we have edited and up, you can find them all on YouTube. Again, there is a link to the YouTube from our Wix site. Um, or you can just go to YouTube and type in the Trek Brothers and we will come right up where we have every episode that we've, almost every episode that we've ever recorded. I believe this episode is probably going to go up. Um, this is episode 31. This is probably going to go up before the past few episodes that have gone up just because we want to get the most fresh and newest content out there now and and we'll have backlog episodes in a little while but anyway youtube has nearly every episode that we've ever done uh up ready to go for your listening pleasure where chris and i both encourage you to like comment subscribe um do all that fun jazz on uh on the youtubes for us as well um i believe that is everything Right, Chris? 
Yeah, I think that is everything. Oh. So now I want to hear. I want to hear why that was such a good segue. Okay, well, it was a good segue because we were going to go into. Um, I was under the impression that we were going to go into film trek. Oh, did I completely skip film trek? That's okay. Well, it's fine. We did skip film trek, but we I, can go out of sequence. I am insane. <laughs> I am just insane. All right, let's get to. Film we've been trek. on. <laughs> we've we've been on we, we haven't done the show in a little while. It's fine. I I can't believe I skipped that. Okay, film track. Battle up. <laughs> Lock and load. Star Trek Insurrection is the number one action movie in America. My first week. Movie Your time calls it seductively appealing. Watch the movie Stay with a few notes. It was fun. And it's your week. <laughs> so, as a side note, if if you want to listen to the first week of the Trek Brothers, go to our YouTube. You can find it. We talk about the cage. Um, it is a lot worse than what we've done tonight. We're, we're a little rusty tonight, but what you were hearing now is far better than what we started with, I think. Um, but I encourage everybody to listen to the cage because it, it, it was a decent episode. We had decent, unique, I think, unique things to say about it. Um, but anyway, going back to the reason that I thought that this was <laughs> what originally was going to be a good segue, um, we were talking about the ships. And um, I wanted to say with this modern enterprise, one thing that we didn't talk about um, with um, – so let me start from the beginning. For Film Trek, I just wanted to talk about Beyond and the few things that we haven't touched on this episode so far. And one of the things that we didn't talk about is that this enterprise, the uh, JJ enterprise, actually can saucer separate. And it makes total sense why it would saucer separate in this episode. This is the first time that I've seen a saucer separation in Star Trek that made complete sense to me. Yes, it was very awesome. It wasn't <laughs> cheesy at all. Yeah. I mean, it happens throughout TMG and arguably outside of generations, there's never a reason to take the saucer off the ship. This one had a far more sense of uh, urgency and necessity. Um, it kind of like seemed to like it was more mechanical, and I like mm-hmm. that more. Like the, it just seemed like it had to be more effort in what you were doing as as opposed to in um, in generations where it seemed more like button pushy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, even we saw an encounter at Farpoint, Riker is going to manually put the saucer back onto the rest of the ship, and it doesn't seem like anything happens. <laughs> yeah, and it's a shame, because the way they build that up is ridiculous, because it's like, he comes aboard, and um, Picard's like, you're gonna do this. And so it's like, dun-dun-dun, you could do this manually. But then like it just ends <laughs> up becoming like a flat climax, where it's like, oh, well, that wasn't very exciting. Yeah, um, the few other brief things I wanted to talk about uh, with, with just beyond in general that we haven't already touched on because we've already talked a lot about it. But um, I wanted to notice. Oh, we almost said this earlier when we were talking about how the original series is episodic. It's funny that in the movie they actually talk about how the five-year mission has been episodic to them. Um, yeah, that's a great. That's a great end joke. Kind of a little joke there. And then I just wanted to ask you, did you notice that they, um, did they call the escape pods Kelvin pods? 
Yeah, they did. And that's so that, a, it, yeah. That's a nod to the original, like, the 2009, right? Yeah. Okay. Probably because yeah. they didn't have pods back then, because Kelvin pods could have really helped in that situation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. Good thinking. Um, another little thing that I wanted to nod on is, um, you know when Scotty is talking about um, when they're on the Franklin, but the Franklin is still very much grounded when Spock and Scott, or not Spock, when Kirk and Spock, Kirk and Scotty uh, first reunite on the planet, and um, they're talking about whether or not they can make the, um, the ship work again. And Scotty's being very technical, and Kirk tells him to skip to the end. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that line, what? that line is kind of a reference to Spaced, which I mentioned earlier. Like Spaced was uh, that show, that BBC show that was um, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost before before Shaun of the Dead even came out. That they they all were a part of, and uh, Skip to the End was one of the uh, characters. I wouldn't say catchphrase, but something that, that he would say um, somewhat regularly. And so for somebody telling Simon Pegg's character that in the new movie, like that had to have been a Simon Pegg line or somebody that knew Simon Pegg's work that I, I thought was a little charming. Wow, I didn't know that at all. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I, I, I don't know Spaced. I've seen like one episode of it. When it was, Is it still on Netflix? I, I think it's still on Netflix. It's... I don't know. It, it It's one of those... It, I'll compare it to this. Here's how I'll liken to it. I, I think it's like the original, the, the BBC um, Ricky Gervais office. I think that if you watch it once all the way through, you're going to be like, that was a really good show that had funny things in it. And then when you go back or when you think about it, you won't actually remember any episode or want to watch a single episode. It's kind of like that where it's like, like there's a lot of funny jokes in there, but like, as far as like episodes, you never really feel like you saw a great episode. You just saw some stuff that had really funny stuff within it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a shame. I I mean, yeah, I mean that's the way I feel about the the British office anyways. That there's a lot of there's a lot of really funny stuff, but when you try to sit down and watch it all the way through, it it it, it seems slow. Yeah. I thought the so, uh, British office wasn't as funny. That's just the American in me talking. Uh, USA. No. USA. <laughs> so, I I mean we could go on about Beyond, but I think in the interest of, of our time and, and time of the episode and the amount of time that we've already spent in this episode talking about it, um, I'll, I'll keep it at that unless you have anything else to add about about it. Just that everybody should go out and watch it. Agreed. <laughs> they will really like it. I also think that... that Later on, especially when it comes out on a uh, on on Blu-ray DVD, um, we'll be able to pick it apart a little bit more and have more segments um, about it that we don't necessarily need to ruin right now. That's true. That's true. We don't want to ruin everything. We <laughs> want to be like other podcasts because other podcasts no. have ruined shows for me. Um. <laughs> all right. Just, oh man, I'm all out of it. Okay. 
That's okay. So they already know how to get a hold of us. So this is the only thing left to do is just take us out. Just take us out. Take us out like Janeway. Is this a new song you picked? Is this a good song? I threw a song on there because I noticed that there wasn't a song on our list. And uh, I, I know how we like to end it with a song, so I figured I'd throw this, one in there real quick. This so, is Fallout Boy with Save Rock and Roll. I don't know what this is, full disclosure. I didn't listen to it. I picked it off of name. Um, just it being Fallout Boy since we talked about them. That's how we do it in the USA. <laughs> I quite like this. Yeah, it's not terrible, right? Just give it a second. It'll be like Star Trek uh, Into Darkness. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Alright, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to Very Tired Chris. Um... <laughs> This has been a fun episode. It really has been. Um, it's been the shortest Voyager episode ever. Yes, this will not happen again, I guarantee you. Um, <laughs> don't plan on this next time. Um, but hey, it's been great. And, you know, maybe Voyager isn't your favorite show. That's all right. I don't care what kind of Trek you like, so long as you like Star Trek. I'm Chris, and I'll talk to you later. And I'm Sean, and that's the way the news goes. <laughs>